WWDB 860 AM Philadelphia and WPEN HD2 Burlington, Philadelphia. The following programming is sponsored by Clean and Sober Media. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. If you need immediate help, please call the National Substance Abuse and Mental Health Hotline at 1-800-662-HELP. Welcome to Clean and Sober Radio, brought to you in part by Jefferson University Hospitals and Thomas Jefferson University, providing excellent clinical and compassionate care in the Philadelphia region, a proven leader in healthcare and education since 1825, and Acadia Healthcare, with locations on the East Coast. Acadia maintains a standard for excellence in the treatment of behavioral health and addiction concerns. And now, here are your hosts, Gary Handler and Mark Sigmund. Hey, thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. Clean and Sober Radio features real people with real stories about addiction to drugs and alcohol. Mark, what's new this week in recovery news? Alex Murdoch, who is currently on trial for the murder of his wife and son and was arrested in 2021, has admitted to having a severe opioid addiction. During Murdoch's hearing on Wednesday, jurors heard more details, including a claim that Murdoch was using up to $50,000 a week worth of drugs, which could have been a motive for someone else killing him. Defense attorneys claimed that Murdoch was purchasing the drugs from his cousin, who is currently accused of a bizarre murder for hire plot in which he allegedly shot Murdoch in the head. So it sounds fishy to me. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. Yeah. Murdoch allegedly shot his wife and son. Well, yes. And then he hired somebody to shoot him. Is that what you Yes. Yeah. So it would look like he didn't do it. So wait a minute. I'm going by $50,000 a week in There's drug. no way. There's no way. There's no way. And this is their defense attorneys yeah. trying to say he was using so much drugs and he was purchasing them from so many people that that would give some of these people a motive to kill his family, which it's it kind of – you think about stigma – you think about and, – and here they are. They're going out and they're saying that, yeah, hey, this, is, this could have been related to him being <laughs> – using drugs and being an addict. I mean it kind of blows me away. Well, you know, I, I, look, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. But, you know, we as addicts sit in this room. We did a lot of drugs. Uh, I don't know if any one of us uh, killed a lot of people. Or used $50,000 a week. Well, worth took, of drugs. Look, I took a lot of quaaludes. I mean, could it get up I to mean, fifty thousand a week or what? I mean, could you imagine like how much you'd have to be using? How much cocaine would you have to use? Oh my God! Yeah. So I don't buy it. I don't buy this story. But that's not for us to decide. Okay. Maybe our listeners can. <clears throat> okay. Listen to this one. Narcan soon will be approved by the federal uh, FDA uh, to be over counter now, and uh, two federal. Uh, panels of addiction experts on Wednesday unanimously recommended that Narcan, the overdose reversing nasal spray, be made widely available without a prescription. That's a significant step in the effort to stem skyrocketing drug uh, fatalities. Making Narcan an over the counter drug has been urged by doctors, patients, advocacy groups, and the Biden administration. 
That is fantastic news. That is, I mean, right? the more Narcan we can get out there, the better. And just the fact that they're not going to have to go to a, the – I don't know if it will be behind the pharmacy counter, but just the fact that they're able to go in and get this stuff, um, I'm really happy to hear that, Gary. Right. I am too. That, that's good news. Let's, let, let's do this. I know we're, we're getting ready for the first break. When we come back, our special guest, Mark D., is with us. And, you know, Mark's one of us, regular guy. And, you know, as I, when we put out the promo, everybody can relate to yeah. our stories. They're going to be able to relate to Mark's. I mean, the, you know, the, the circumstances might be different, but we were all in the same boat when we were in our active addiction. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. This is Clean and Silver Radio. A cancer diagnosis can knock the wind out of you. The Sydney Kimmel Cancer Center at Abington Jefferson Health can help. Our brand new Asplund Cancer Pavilion brings you 86,000 square feet of cancer-fighting science for truly comprehensive care. Backed by the strength of an NCI-designated cancer center. Call 1-800-JEFF-NOW. The Sydney Kimmel Cancer Center at Abington Jefferson Health. The power to outscience cancer. Hi, I'm Tony Luke Jr., and I listen to Clean and Sober Radio. 888-728-9941. This is Clean and Sober Radio. Hey, welcome back. Uh, we are, this show is also heard on these great radio stations, WGAC in Augusta, Georgia, WHFS in Tampa, Florida, and WWE, the Big Talker 1100 in Atlanta, Georgia. It's pretty all good, over right? the country. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Mark Daly is our guest today. Uh, friend of the station, friend of the uh, show, I mean. Uh, does a lot in the recovery community in the Philadelphia area. So, Mark, welcome to the show, man. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. And, uh, you know, we know that, you know, Mark, like a lot of other guests, they get a little nervous at the beginning of the show. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. And you're going to you're going to you're going to say things, Mark, that somebody in our audience is going to really hear and you're going to help somebody. And that's that's how we operate. So where are you from? Philadelphia, Mayfair section. OK. Grew up in uh, was it a normal life. Was uh, it crazy life? What, what was it like? Oh, uh, no. Strong Catholic family. Mom and dad were my heroes. I'm the baby of five. I'm the only uh, addict alcoholic among us. Yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't ask for any better. It was kind of like the cleavers. Almost. Yeah. You know, Mark says, you know, he's the youngest of five, only one addicted. So, you know, we, we talk about is addiction, is it genetic, is it environmental? One in five. One in five, is that the – What is that? So it, – how come the, how come his siblings didn't get it? Yeah, I mean, I've always <coughs> been, uh, you know, under the impression that addiction is part genetic and part environmental. Um, but we see this all the times as a, as a clinician. You know, I'll get people in that they don't have any addicts in their immediate family, but a lot of times when you do the family tree, you start to find them scattered uh, in, at some part of the family tree. Yeah, that's true. So, Mark, were you, were you a bad kid? Were you, yeah. I, I think you were because what I know of you, I could tell you were a tough, <laughs> bad kid. Yeah, uh, more hypers, the, the better word. I don't know if I was a bad kid. I, I had, you know, I didn't just hurt any hurt people and not think about it. But uh, well, what'd you do? 
Did you go to school? Oh yeah, we went to I went to Catholic school. Had good friends. Played sports. You know, you've heard it in every AA meeting around the sure around no, the cool. no, cool. around the uh, you know the world. Yeah, yeah. Did you did normal stuff? So did you, so? Look, the the, the all, you and your siblings had the, the same parents. So where do you think you grew up the same way? What do you think attributed to you going one way? And your siblings not going that way. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I stopped trying to figure that out. I, huh? I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I was never a victim as far as I can tell. I, I, nothing. I didn't get any bad breaks. I, as far as I can tell, I, I have no idea. I, I really don't. I, I stopped trying to figure it out and went with it. And now here we are. I'm uh, kind of grateful for it. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about all the good stuff that you're yeah, doing. Yeah. So, all right, so you grew up in a normal family, religious family, Catholic family, yeah. siblings, good parents. Did you um, – w- what level of schooling did you finish? Uh, graduated high school. Okay. Were you using in high school? Yeah. What were you using? Uh, weed, drinking, uh, uh, some black beauties, Christmas trees – for football practice, yeah. Uh, yeah, almost anything you gave me. You know, I am. I, I, you know, I'm sure that everybody listening knows what black beauties are and Christmas trees. Speed, amphetamine. Yeah. Okay, that's what you like to be pumped up, right? Yeah, because you're pumped up right now. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I like to go fast. You like? He's, he's a fast, a he's, fasty. Yeah. A fast. uh, so yeah. you. So in high school, you were taken. Did your did your did your parents know what was going on, or any of your siblings, or even friends say, "Yo." More, come on, slow down. Well, uh, not really. I, I, I kind of like hung out with the jocks and the burnouts, if you will. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, most of them were doing the same thing I was doing anyway. And to tell you the truth, I, I if I remember correctly, they were like worse than I was. <laughs> Didn't we all think <laughs> that? You know? Yeah. Now let me ask you this: Did you even before high school? Um, did you start like in grade school at a certain point, you know, drinking from your dad's liquor cabinet or, or, or something like that? Like, when did it really like the very first beginnings of this thing? Uh, yeah, we've been, I, I've been smoking weed and drinking beer since I was, you know, 11 or 12. And, uh, I, I, I really don't know. I have no answers, but it seemed to be around the same time as puberty. You know yeah. what I mean? So I. <clears throat> and, yeah. and it seemed like they're my friends, same thing. So we, we did this stuff together. What, what, what did you like about it when you first did it? Did you, were you the type of guy like I was, you know, inhibitions, you didn't want to talk to girls, uh, a whole host of stuff. And this stuff at the beginning relieved those, the anxieties, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. Isn't that crazy how it does that? Like in the beginning, it gives you all these promises, you know, <laughs> like, like this is I, like when I first started using, I remember thinking like, this is the answer to all my problems. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I want to find a utopia and, uh, and God, couldn't it be anything different than that? You know, where, where it ended up. Hey, yeah. if you're just joining us now, we're, we're talking to Mark Daly, uh, uh, resident of Philadelphia area. Uh, and has a story he's telling us during this the next hour. It'll be a familiar story to everybody. The stuff will be a little different, but we can all relate to what, what he's talking about. And if you want to give a call and talk to any of us here, the number is 1-888-728-9941. That's one 
728-9941. So, yeah, it is bizarre that we took this stuff and people like us with, I guess, this 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 wiring, we, we jumped right on it. It was instant. Instant, right? Instant. And, and it was like, here, this is going to take away, like you guys said, uh, maybe I'll meet more girls because of it more. You know, it starts – it's like it's like the devil showing you all these things that this is going to be the perfect thing for you. You know, it lays it right out on the carpet. And I think that, that, that mind-altering drugs is like perfect for humanity because we're all looking uh, to feel better. And to get out of ourselves. And to get out of ourselves. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean it was – it was crazy that way. And, and, you know, I know for me, I just started like I would be the guy very quickly that was like writing papers like, you know, marijuana should be legal, all this. Like I went full kill. And you said the hippies, the hippie thing, you know. And by the way, if people were here in the studio, you, Mark looks like a football player. He's a big guy. He's wearing a shirt that says daily reprieve from addiction. And uh, and you said that you were you did play football in high school, huh? What, what position? Um, when did the drugs? How did that affect that? Yeah, defensive back, and um, but I I don't know anything. But uh, the drugs probably took me out of it, it, it for in like junior year. Took you out of your athletic took, stuff. Took me out of the football. I play. I still play baseball to this day. But um, yeah, yeah, football. I I, I might have had a shot at being okay. Maybe getting a partial scholarship to college, maybe starting wow. varsity, and you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. It's interesting <clears throat> and it's sad that, at, at, at you know our ages, you know, young ages, we started doing this, and it really robbed us of a lot of stuff. Which we really, I'll say, I never considered it was robbing me of anything. I was just having a good old time. And also just having those thoughts of like, maybe I could have done better at this. Maybe I could have been better. You know, you know, like it, it just leaves you with those things where, you know, serenity prayer, except the things we can't change. But it, it leaves you with so many maybes, doesn't but it? But yeah, I, I agree with that. And, you know, it was like, well, how come I got thrown out of law school? How, uh, how about your addiction? Did I have anything to do with it? I forgot all that. I, I never considered yeah. the, the connection between my addiction and all the bad stuff that I did. Isn't that crazy? Isn't <laughs> yeah. it crazy how like you you know bad stuff starts happening? You know, uh, like uh, you know, I remember being in a police station, getting my fingerprints taken, and the cop being like, "Do you think you might have a problem?" And I thought this guy was from outer space. I was like, "I don't know what you're talking about." But so you start seeing bad things happen. But I guess that denial is so strong. So strong, Mark. Isn't you have it? those kind of things go on. Of course, yeah. I would. I would like shoplift. I would get high and shoplift. I I didn't even have to shoplift. I exactly. I, I had jobs. I didn't pay yeah. rent at my mom's house. Yeah. And I would shoplift. Now I don't know why. I could psychoanalyze myself <laughs> and think it was another rush or something. Yeah. But yeah. Or just maybe you wanted stuff for free. How about just that? <laughs> Could be. Yeah. I don't right? know. But you you mentioned uh, lower your inhibitions. Like so. Like yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really steal stuff if I wasn't high. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. We did so, so so many things that we wouldn't – we wouldn't – maybe we consider it. We just wouldn't do it now in recovery. Yeah, and, and like our minds, like just the, the decision-making on a daily basis, you know, we're all sitting there like, oh, it was just so bad. The decision-making was so bad. Don't you think? Of course. Absolutely. Listen, if you need help right now, if you're listening to us – Right now, uh, and you need help, there's help out there. 
why don't you call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Hotline at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-HELP. By the way, if you don't want to call them now or you don't need to call them, put that number on your refrigerator like poison control because when we get into when we get into the depths of an addiction and maybe we want help it's hard to find help it is and and also put 988 on your refrigerator and that's the suicide hotline 24 <laughs> hours a day where you can call if you're feeling hopeless and you know for, i was thinking about it before the show if you're sitting here listening and you think you might have a drinking problem just listen. See if you can relate. Don't you think? Yes. And Mark, I wanted to ask you that nine eight eight number. Is that is that can somebody who just feels extremely depressed call that number and not have suicide thoughts? Absolutely, I would think. You know, I, I would think. Yeah, because you know, you know, I'm sure everybody in the news has 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 recently seen that uh, the senator from Pennsylvania, uh, John Fetterman, had checked into a hospital because of severe. A depression, which could have been brought on by his stroke, but it's. I'm glad that you know. I'm glad that there was a. There's a place. I'm glad there are places for people to go now that that are afraid. Yeah, and and just to be able to get the help that you need, you know, because there, you know, there was such a stigma over mental health, and and I got to tell you, it's been getting better. And we're seeing people on a daily basis, especially since the pandemic, where it's just been on a daily basis that are struggling with not even wanting to get out of bed in the morning, you know, isolating, uh, feeling hopeless, like suicidal thoughts often, you know, um, not planning to do it, a lot of them. Right. But I mean, just suffering and suffering behind closed doors. That's 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 really pretty scary to me. You know that? Yeah. Really scary because. You know, any of this stuff, you're listening and you're going, yeah, it's going to happen to me. Ah, blah, 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 blah. Anything can happen to anybody. Be prepared. So, Mark, you, you like the speed, the speed, right? Oh, yeah. You like speed. I can so, picture that, can't oh, you? Yeah. I can totally picture I wouldn't want to see him on speed. No, now. I wouldn't either. So, so, all right. So, you're in high school. You're, you're doing amphetamines. I, you, did you, you graduated. Uh, yeah. And um, you traveled with a crowd, I'm assuming, that did the same things as you did, right? Yes. Uh, were you speeding for football games? Yes. So that was probably another thing. Were you thinking yeah. this makes me better football player? Well, it seemed like I maintained for a while. You know, I, yeah. I got married, bought a house, had a business. Things were okay. Yeah. Not great, but okay. So your 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 wife, I don't know if it's your current wife, whoever you're married to then. This had to come out in some way. This addiction, oh, somebody. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but yeah, she knew. But it it ruined everything. I foreclosed on the house. Right. Wife had to go. Everything had to go. Yeah, and and, and so this is not uh, this is not a surprise. This is what can happen if you get heavy into an addiction. You could lose everything. And and is it worth it? Yeah, then it's like at that point, um, even having some denial about that. And let me let me ask you, like when you were losing your first wife and you were losing these things, <laughs> did did it occur to you at that point that like it was an alcohol or a drug problem at that point? Or were you thinking like it's just I'm going through this in my life and that's why I'm doing it? 
to tell you the truth, I actually thought it was a wife problem and a <laughs> and a house problem and an adult problem and a job problem because they all got in the way yeah. of my uh, you know smoking crack the way I wanted to. To tell you the truth, I mean, I guess I knew that was some semi ridiculous, but every from the mm-hmm. core of my yeah. soul, I needed to remove all that stuff so that I could chase an enjoyment from what I was doing to no avail. It never came. I chased it and chased it and chased it for 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's a familiar story. It right? sure is. And and just that whole thing of being stuck on autopilot in this obsessive daily. Because I, I imagine like money being an issue if you're using, you know, crack, um, you know, the chase of having to full, it was was it a full time job for you? Oh God, yeah, I've never worked harder in my life. Yeah, it is. I, I can totally relate to. It. I I can remember, you know, chasing doctors, doctors, pharmacists, prescriptions. You know, I mean, it, it, as Mark said, it, it really it became a full time job. And the longer you did it, the more out of touch you were with what was really going on in the world. And it was so terrifying, that prospect of running out, right? I mean, it was so terrifying. You know, it was, uh, uh, that was very terrifying. What was terrifying for me was I think I did believe that at one day I would have to get a job and work. And uh, that was terrifying because as everybody is working, you know, even friends that weren't addicted, working and, and getting a job and getting another job, and you're sitting there you know, doing your thing, it's like, you know, it's a vicious cycle. I, I, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I, I, I can't even think about it. I got to get high. Can't even think about it. Just keeps going on and on and on. Right? You, yeah, I thought I only had a drug problem when I was out of drugs. Yeah. 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 That's right. But then I was more – I was out of drugs more often than had yeah. to do. That was, that was hard, more horrifying than any of it. Yeah, I mean, did you ever have that? Did you, did you ever have those feelings of running out? Oh. I mean, especially if the weather was bad because of the drugs I was taking. I had to see a doctor and a pharmacist. And if the weather was bad, snowing, I was panicked because what if they can't get to their their offices? Yeah, and and I I remember looking around the floor, you know, like like that was like like searching the house, you know. Um, just trying to keep get one more, you know, and and uh, it's, it was terrifying, and and you know, it was that feeling of like of like how am I going to face things without it, you know, that dependency behind it that I'm dependent on this stuff at that point, and no way out, man, and no way out, you know, yeah, one eight 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 seven two eight nine nine four one. We're talking, uh, Mark Sigmund and I are talking to Mark Daly uh, about a real life story that I know many of you can relate to. Why don't you give us a call and tell us your story? We'll be right back. This is Clean and Sober Radio. Diversity in the workplace is more than gender, ethnicity, and even age. It also means people in recovery. The Higher Calling Foundation works to end the stigma of substance use disorders in the workplace by helping those in recovery find jobs, get career counseling, and more. All things insurance doesn't cover and all 
at no cost and encouraging businesses to hire employees in recovery. Because with the Great Resignation, there are jobs to be filled and employees in recovery are an untapped demographic. It's mutually beneficial and it's simply good business. Started by employment attorney in recovery, Kevin Heyer, the Higher Calling Foundation believes everyone deserves a second chance and works to make that happen. And now, diversity in the workplace demands it. Visit HigherCalling.org. That's H-Y-E-R Calling.org. And find out how we can help you. Hi, this is Dion, the Wanderer. Listen to Clean and Sober Radio. You might hear something that'll change your life. Yo! 888-728-9941. This is Clean and Sober Radio. We're back talking to Mark Daly, real life story uh, about what drugs and alcohol can do to you. And uh, also we're going to get into how great life can be after you get clean and all the great things that you can do, which uh, Mark... uh, is proving every single day. You know, that was Dion, that spot, that drop was Dion from Dion the Belmonts. I know you're too young to remember. Uh, Mark, you remember Dion? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Run around Sue and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's got 52 or 53 <sighs> years clean. Half a century. We do recover, right? Is, isn't that the best can't part recover. of this? We can't, yeah, absolutely. I mean, can you imagine... Uh, Thinking that we would be doing this, <laughs> I mean, uh, absolutely. You know, you're kind of bringing up a funny point because yeah. think about it. When we were like 20 years old, we would have never been sitting there thinking that, you know, we would be doing a radio show on clean and sober. That would, that would be a show for morons. It would, well, and didn't you guys have that? I remember thinking other people were missing out in the beginning. You know, that was another thing. Like these defense mechanisms would come in and like they're missing out, you know? Yeah, yeah, they're missing out. And, and at the end, the joke was on us, wasn't it? Yeah, unfortunately. The joke was on us. Um, we got a caller on the line. Ted, are Ted? you there? All right. Still getting connected. Oh, okay. Jumped on. It's Ted, right? Broke. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Hey, Ted. What's up, buddy? Teddy. Hey. Who's this, Gary? It's Gary, Mark, and Mark Daly. Oh, man. You got all winners right there. Oh. I'm just calling to thank you and to thank Mark and Jimmy and all the above for carrying the message of hope. That's right. You're, talking, oh. you're referring to Jimmy Petrowski, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jimmy, definitely. Definitely. This is... uh. You got a very good squad in there, and it's endless hours of carrying this message of hope, and it can be done. It's certain, that's that's so. absolutely the message. It absolutely can be done. As long as you're alive, it can be done. As long as, long as we're breathing, there's hope. This should not define a human being in their situation. That's Don't let right. this define you as a human being. And I always like to Bump say, the roof. I always like to say, hate the addiction. Don't hate the person addicted. Yes. You know? Yes. What's new in your life? Oh, listen, I'm up here with the Leckermans here doing work for them, Gary. Great. Oh, tell them I said hi. Yes, we were down down in Kensington Wednesday night, and and man, it's just, we're spreading that message out there. And uh, it's people like you and Mark and Jimmy, again, that is bringing this message to the people. Yeah, that's uh, so. we're all listen. You know, I like to say, look, there's three parts of this whole thing. You get clean. That means you put it down. 
You get sober. You start acting responsibly. Your brain starts to get wired. And then the third is you start giving back. Yes. Right? Oh, amen. And we stay sober 24 hours. I've never seen no one get 24 hours in one second. Exactly. And if you're listening and you have a problem, just know that all of us have been there when you think that there is no hope. You know, you think that you can't put this together, you know, and just if you're listening and you're just know, go go to meetings, go get some help, you know, like like we can you can do this, you know, because wasn't that all of our cases like where you thought I mean, at one point it felt hopeless. Sure, sure. You know, you think you're the only one in in that situation and uh, you're not the only one. And there are people around you that have been there that can help you. And your life yeah. will change. You're like, yeah, I know. Yeah. But you know, if it, I'm trying to put myself in somebody listening to this show who is really using hard, yeah, can they hear it? Can you hear oh, it? Oh, the message. Yes, I think they can. Yep. Uh, if a little bit seeps in, right? Yeah, I think. just just got to sprinkle a little bit of seeds. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this can be done, Gary. I know. Well, well look, we. We is doing it. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mark, how you doing, bud? Doing good, Teddy. Thanks, man. Happy oh, man, birthday, look- right? It's his birthday? Oh, thank you. Yesterday, maybe? Thank you. Was your birthday yesterday, I 30- Ted? I was 30 years old, yes. All right. You were 30 years old when? 1930? <laughs> uh, you know when I start my birthday. <laughs> anniversary. Oh, 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 you're, oh, you're oh, a sobriety anniversary. Okay. Okay, congratulations. Yes. Oh, that's super. Another applause. Yeah. Uh, but listen, I look forward to seeing you guys tonight, Jimmy and Mark. I will be up there tonight. And, um, you know, again, your lovely wife carrying the message of hope, Jimmy. That's awesome. Got it. All right, listen, Teddy, thanks for checking in. Thanks for the support you give us. We love you, and congratulations, man. No, I love you guys more. Thank you. Thanks, Teddy. Nice guy. Nice guy. He is. You guys got plans tonight? Plans? plans? Yeah, we have a meeting at my house, and uh, Kim, Jimmy's wife, speaking to them. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had like 23 years sober. Ah, man, I love hearing these stories. You know uh, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, again, I want to get that number out, the 1-800-662-HELP. Seriously, seriously, if you need help, there is help out there. And that number for the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Line, it, it's people that are trained that – that who will answer that phone and they will get you help. And there are resources out there for that help, you know, and don't think too much. Just pick up the phone. Just do it. Don't you think? Absolutely. But it's scary. I know it is. It's scary. Like the first time you went to an AA meeting or an NA meeting. It's scary. It's scary because you forget like that you can exist and have a good time and live life without drugs, you know, like that memory is gone. At least it was for me. Did you find that? Did you when you were in it deep, Mark, did you think like there's no way to live life without this stuff? Yeah, for sure. And I knew there was no way to continue going the way I was going to. So I was really caught up. Well, how'd you get what, what, what happened? What was the defining moment in your life where you said, I'm, I've had it? Well, uh, uh, circumstances. I was uh, living in Frankfurt on a deal my brother made with somebody. Uh, and uh, 
I was living in this place and I was and I was about to be homeless. So I'd like to say it was, uh, you know, I'd like to say I surrendered that day and just went with the flow and since has been easy. But the truth is. It was pretty cold out and I didn't want to be homeless, so I agreed to go to rehab and I kicked and screamed the whole way through. And to tell you the truth, I have no idea why I'm sober today because it's like hardly any of my own merit or my own thorough work hard stuff that I did. Right. I kicked and screamed and fought everything and argued every rule and everything. I asked God for help the whole way through. Wow. And, you know, I, I think – the, our audience should know, it, no matter how you do it, no matter what you believe in, as long as you get help, that's the, uh, that's the idea here. And I'm, I'm picturing this winter time, yeah. right? Yeah, with him. Desperation, yeah. cool. you know, uh, knowing that, like, I only have a couple more days in, in, in shelter right now, you know, and, uh, yeah. and just the whole idea of what you were saying, it sounds like you're saying it's, it's, it's a Above you, it was a some kind of higher power, uh, you know, that stepped in. You know, you said that you had your your spirituality okay. going. That's the first one, I, I guess. So, yeah. Okay. Hey, we got we got you're drawing a lot of callers, Mark. So let's take the first one right now on the line. Welcome to Clean and Sober Radio. Hello, are you there? Yep, Charles. How you doing, Charles? Hey, how Charles. are you? Thanks for checking in with us. How so? Yeah, I just wanted. To- Thank you for getting the uh, message out there. Wanted to thank Mark D for uh, Hasso. Wanted to thank him for he's been instrumental in my sobriety. Wow. And uh, he's really, you know, helps a lot of people. He really does. And it's good to see him out there leading by example. Yes. You know, always takes your phone call, sets up the meetings. Just uh, just a great guy. And it's a pleasure to know him. I don't know call him a friend. Man, that's like and, the uh, ultimate. On there. <laughs> that's the ultimate reward for doing all this is to get somebody who you've helped and you see that they're doing great, you know? Yep. Yep. He's helped me as much as I've ever helped. You getting what you get a little teary eyed. Oh, hell yeah. Good man. Good man. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Good. I wasn't always described like that. No, that's right. That's, that's, Uh, it takes a lot to get that, to to get that kind of, uh, admiration from somebody. You have to be doing a lot of really good work. He got He's me tired. doing great work. Yeah, yeah. I got a I got a story about Charlie. All right. So I get sober. Yeah. I'm in a recovery house. Yep. I, I get a bread and butter license. I get a little bit of my license back. I haven't had a license in ten years. I get my license, uh, bread and butter license. My brother helps me get a van. The van needs tires. Yeah. Charlie gets me tires. I'm working and also I come down there, but I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot. And uh, I say to Charlie, how much you want for the tires? He says, how long are you sober? I said, whatever it was, 80 days, 90 days. Yeah. He says, you owe me another 80 days, 90 days. Oh, you know what I mean? Well, well, it's like people cared about me much more than I cared about me. You see, you know, what's beautiful about this. Somewhere. I mean. Talking about this kind of stuff and getting all teary eyes is, is absolutely beautiful. You know, they have to be able to have the emotions now and not, you know, <clears throat> the, 
you're in touch with your feelings. Yeah, you know. Hey, man. thanks for the call. Really appreciate yep. it. Thanks, John. Okay. Thanks, John. Pleasure. Thanks, yep. buddy. Awesome. Another caller on the line. Hello. I'm on the line. Hi, caller. How are you? Hi. Um. um What's I'm your name? Your daughter. I'm Sophia, and I'm your daughter. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Sophia. I didn't know that. I mean, I knew who she was. California girl. Hi, hi Sophie. How are you? Hi, I just wanted to say how proud I am of you, Dad, and, and Mark, and, and everybody on the show. I just, I, I had a unique situation of not seeing my dad use, you use ever, you know, you were sober by the time I was born, but it, 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 I'm so proud of you, and I'm just, now I'm getting teary-eyed, but that happens often, so um, I just wanted to say I love you, and that's all. Love you too, sweetheart. Very, very proud of you. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. See you, Sophia. Have a, good, have a good weekend, everyone. You too, you too honey. That's nice. All right, bye. Bye. Wow, how was that for you to hear that? We had to, I mean, she she went through the mill herself. Yeah. Tough, man. But to be able to hear, you know, your daughter calling you and just saying they're proud of you, right? I mean, these are those beyond your wildest dreams that we talk about in recovery. Glad there's no cameras in here today. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. yeah it's amazing. It, it is amazing. You know. We, we, you know, we so much was stolen from us during our addictions. When you think about it, so much, you know. I mean, yeah. but but then I guess we have to look at the positive side. If we didn't have that path, that journey, we wouldn't be who we are today, right? For sure. And look at all the stuff you're doing. Let's talk about all the all, all the people you've been helping, like that caller, like the the, the work that you do outside of the recovery. Your company helps people, makes people feel better. You do beautiful work. And, you know, uh, Mark Dale is a contractor. And um, I know from personal experience, he cares, man, and they do beautiful work. If we were in our addiction, if you were in your addiction doing this work, eh, I'll do it. They won't do it. I'll show up. I won't show up. You know, I'll rip you off. I won't rip you off. And and the whole thing of giving people shelter. In recovery, right? Go, I mean, you know, that's the biggest deal. I come in as a counselor, like you need that for sobriety, you know. Sure. And, and yeah, wow. Yeah, I mean, I want to ask you, what did that feel like with that caller? Uncomfortable. Why? I mean, like I know, and he's been one of my best friends yeah. since I was a little a little kid. But yeah. uh, it's, I'm uncomfortable with. with Are you uncomfortable he, with compliments? Is yeah, that what you're saying? For okay. Sure, no okay. Doubt. But you heard what he said. Well, like, like, yeah, so I do. I own a recovery residence, and sure, many people have been helped. I have a hard time thinking it's me. My brother was – my brother Jim was, a, was the big one. He, he suggested we open a recovery house. He's as happy I'm sober as I am. Tell us about I'm the – I'm just saying. There's tell, love. Tell us about your recovery houses. How would you get into that? My brother, your brother, got my you. brother Jim, who was one of those, one of those other four that isn't an addict or an alcoholic. Siblings, you're talking about, yeah. Yes. But so, like, I don't know if I want to get into this, like, yeah, like it's Gucci Gucci stuff, but it's, but it's love. It's like, so he loves me, and was like, <clears throat> I imagine he was very upset when I was out doing my thing and. And ended up in prison and all the consequences and there was nothing, nothing in their power that they could do to help me. Correct. Yeah. And so like whatever happened in my life that turned it around, 
and gave them their brother back. He wanted to give to other people. Okay. You know, he wanted to give back to other people. So my brother had, you know, he he was the funding in the beginning. And then since then, we've I'd like to believe that love built the house and love is the reason because I heard things. It's not necessarily an intellectual thing that I hear a lesson and I apply the lesson and I work hard at the lesson. I heard somebody say one time, you want to be happy, you make somebody else happy. And and gosh darn, I'll call him. <laughs> he'll, he'll come back. He probably got it. Yeah. But I heard somebody say, "If you if you want to be happy, make somebody else happy." And what I and what I what I immediately um, related to in my own life is that my whole life, I didn't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. I just wanted to be happy. So in pursuit of my own happiness, I ran myself miserably into the ground and into the doors of a rehab and then into recovery. Since then, I've learned to try to make somebody else happy ideally makes me happy. That's it's, beautiful. It's impossible to help somebody without helping yourself. Did you go into, where, did you go into rehab? Yeah. Where did you go? Keystone Center on the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's welfare. That's not a country club. But guess what? It worked, didn't it? Either was the place I was at before that, <laughs> which was the streets of Frankfurt. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I sometimes think, take a out of my mouth. I sometimes think some of these rehabs are too cushy. What do you think about that? I think that uh, it's it's a tricky question, you know? It's a tricky question because you get some people that may not have gone because they don't have the big screen TV or they don't have the, you know, but then on the other hand, I, I don't know the answer to that is what I'm getting at. I, th- I don't either. I think you're, I think you're right. It's, it's, it's a hard answer. I think sometimes one thing that I do see is that if detox is really hard, somebody's less liable to go back. And I think that sometimes we're making detox too easy, you know, with all the, with, with different things. And, and, you know, I've had people that have gone detoxed and they weren't in rehab and they completely detoxed off opioids and they never touched them again because it was not, they felt so sick, you know, um, people that actually got through it. Now the majority wouldn't get through that and they'd go back to it, you know? Um, but I think maybe we're a little too cushy with the detox. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I'm not, I don't doubt that. Maybe there's a uh, happy medium with some of this. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, when I think back, I went to a rehab that had a swimming pool. Yeah, I never went in it, but I'm thinking, wait a minute. Were people going in it? I yeah. Mean, and why didn't you go? The food was – I didn't know if there was any uh, fish in there. I, I, I went to <laughs> <laughs> um, Sharks. Sharks. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess it's, uh, it's the individual. If you yeah. really want it, I think you can get it. I'm talking about sobriety, you know? So you'll make anything work. You'll yeah. make a, bad, a really hard-nosed rehab work or a cushy one work if, if you're really going to run with it, I guess is yeah. what you're saying. Absolutely. If you're just joining us now, um, Mark Daly is giving his life story, what happened, what it's like today. And uh, we're going to get into in a little while uh, about his uh, recovery houses because that's, you know, as you said – 
you're making yourself happy by making other people happy and getting people into sobriety, into recovery uh, it does make you feel happy. And imagine like like here's the thing. You need that shelter and structure. Like I, I work with people. The people that are in recovery houses, good recovery houses like yours have a much better rate of, of getting this, you know, because imagine like not having shelter or having to go move with a bunch of people, places and things that are still using. Right. Um, it just makes all the difference. These recovery houses. Good ones. Good ones. Right. And I bet you operate a really good one because I know that you care. Um, I'll never tell you. Yes. I mean, well, because you don't like the other people tell you. Yeah. Yeah, But I mean, they pay rent and everything. It's, you know, and they they're they get back into the mainstream of of life. And uh, it's it's all part of it, you know, and uh, it's all part of that process of getting back. And each one of them helps each one of them and each one of them helps me. And that every it's like it's like it's a beautiful thing I've. You know, you don't know how many people's lives you've saved by what you do. And there's and there's uh, there's foundations out there that scholarship people and like they show love. And we're going to take a break right now with okay. Mark Daly. And when we come back, we're going to find out about his recovery houses, how it works. How do you get in? And uh, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Clean and Sober Radio. A cancer diagnosis can knock the wind out of you. The Sydney Kimmel Cancer Center at Abington Jefferson Health can help. Our brand new Asplund Cancer Pavilion brings you 86,000 square feet of cancer-fighting science for truly comprehensive care. Backed by the strength of an NCI-designated cancer center. Call 1-800-JEFF-NOW. The Sydney Kimmel Cancer Center at Abington Jefferson Health. The power to outscience cancer. Hey, everybody, this is Tommy James, and you're listening to Clean and Sober Radio, and so am I. 888-728-9941. This is Clean and Sober Radio. Okay, we're back. I want to tell you, listen to this. Talk about dumb dope dealers, okay? A Kansas City man who called 911 emergency assistance for his mother, pleaded guilty in federal court today after the police officers who responded to his 911 call and came to his house found illegal drugs, firearms, uh, large amounts of cash. So this dummy calls for his mother but doesn't hide anything. And uh, he's in – how much time has he got? He's given – Four years for that phone call. Isn't, isn't there something that's supposed – I mean I guess I know for overdoses and this is important for <clears throat> listeners to hear that you're protected if you call call and somebody's having an overdose. Yes. You know? Yes, you definitely are. Uh, as long as you didn't give him – if you're, you didn't deliver it to him. I'm not okay. sure how that works. If uh, I mean maybe – I don't know that you can if, get in trouble. Well, no. If we're, if we're together – yeah, and we're getting high together. And I gave you the fentanyl. Yeah, you're 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 in a lot of trouble. But if we're together and we both got it from somebody else, and and you got into trouble, and I call nine one one, even though I'm there using with you, don't it's it's okay. You just gotcha. can't deli- You can't. I forget what it's called. Uh, something about delivery. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean, but coming back to that story, um, 
Yeah, I would think he would hide it. Not if you're an addict and you're not yeah. thinking clearly, you know? Yeah. So, Mark, okay. Yeah. Uh, what's the name of your uh, recovery houses? It's called Daily Reprieve. All oh, right, it's right on your shirt. Yeah. And where <laughs> where is that located for our listeners around the country? It's in Ben Salem, PA. It's right outside of Philadelphia. Outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And um, tell us about tell these are individual homes. I yes. Is there a, is there a house manager? Is yes. It, so how does it work? So you wake up in the first of all. How do you get in? You call me. I don't know. It's pretty informal. What if you have no it's, money? Uh, it's not a deal breaker. There's. I, I started to mention uh, Teddy Brophy brought up Lay Leckerman Foundation, yeah. and there's the farm team, and there's some there's some really, really you know good good programs that will help. But even but if you have no money, it's not a deal breaker. Okay, so let's hear what's it like to live in a uh, a recovery house, and or, uh, for for those that are listening. Um, if you don't understand what a recovery house is, uh, it's isn't it? Is it usually a step after you go to treatment? Correct. To get back into the swing of things into daily life, so that's what these things are. So, what's it like? What's it? Tell us what it's like. You wake up in the morning. What do you? What happens in these houses? Uh, yeah, go to work or look for work or go to a meeting or, you know, in my house, like if you're not working, I, I mean, I. I want to say I never kicked anybody out for 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 a balance of money that they owed, except if you're not doing anything for your recovery, then we have a problem. Right. You know what I mean? Because I'll give it to I'll give the bed to somebody who will take the opportunity to help themselves. You know, in right. recovery. And you can you could figure that out pretty quickly, right? Yeah. And if you can, I'll I'll help you. <laughs> I bet you will. So you're looking for people to look for work, or there are some people that are working already. Yeah. Um, there's a house manager. Are there meetings at the houses? Uh, yeah, there's a Tuesday night meeting, house meeting. We usually – Is that we required? Have, we have – uh, yeah. Okay. Mandatory. It's like every other Tuesday we have a therapist, and every other Tuesday we have uh, – we let the guys do their thing. Their sponsors speak. They come up with their own – thing. It, I, I think it kind of helps them to be able to think of things in recovery that might help their their housemates. You know what I mean? Like, Are they drug tested? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Drug tested? Drug tested when you come in and drug tested if, if we think we need to drug test. You know? Right, right, yeah. right. And, you know, I think people might be afraid when they hear a recovery house or a halfway house, whatever. These are nice. These are nice safe, uh, comfortable facilities, right? Yeah, mine is. You take people in for uh, prison? Uh, yeah. Sure, I, I don't really turn anybody away, to tell you the truth. But, uh, you know, I don't want to sales pitch myself. But I, I told you back when my brother said, let's open a recovery house because of the experience I had. Yeah. And uh, I made a commitment to myself that I wouldn't take rent from someone to live in a place that I wouldn't live in myself. Right. Now, let me ask you this question. Uh, people that are in your recovery houses, can they be on any medical uh, supplements like Suboxone? Or... No. 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 What's the thinking behind that? Um, I don't know. I'm going to give I, – I like to – I want people to get the gift that I've received – 
through God. I mean, like, I, I'm not. I can't argue that point. Like, whether it's right or it's wrong or not, I'm not. I'm not qualified to talk in that conversation. Except that the gift I received is complete abstinence, and and it's a and it's a higher power working in my life, keeping me sober, based right. based on the work I do okay. daily to maintain that spiritual condition. Yeah, that's okay. There's a place for that, you know, because because you know you you get some people that they they don't want to be on MAT, you know, and and it can be even triggering for them to be in a house where everybody's on MAT. So you yeah. know there is there's a place for this. Yeah, I I, I do agree with that. You're a purist. Uh, look, when I went into rehab 40 yeah. years ago, you couldn't be on anything, man, and uh, that worked out fine for all of us that were using back then. I, I also think there is a there is an absolute place. For, for Mark's facilities, and there is a place for people who need MAT. Yeah, and, and the big thing these days is the overdose, the fentanyl out there and things like that is right. is, is the big fear when right. MAT is not used. Right, so. but I think you, you bring up a good point. Somebody is in the same mindset as Mark and wants people around them yeah. not uh, – I'm not going to say polluting, but not uh, – uh, total absences. And that's how I grew up. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and they they feel safer in that situation, you know. Um, and yeah, so do you? You mentioned softball. Do you have get these guys into like recreation and stuff too? Oh, yeah, we had a we had a softball team last year. We couldn't field guys, so broke my heart. But there is a recovery league. It's called the URSL, and we played for. I played since I've been sober. It kept, it might have helped keep me sober. Big wow. part of the fellowship part. Yeah, yeah. man. Made some great friends. So, Mark, you've been through a lot. You've come out of it. You're doing great work. Can you give advice to uh, our list, our audience, uh, about getting into sobriety? If somebody's listening and thinking, I don't know, I, you know, I, I don't know if it's for me, what would you say to them? This is corny. This would sound corny to somebody in that position. Yeah. But I would say ask God for help, whether you believe it or you don't believe it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? That's All right. Well, I, some people who don't believe it, what would you say to them? I would say <laughs> ask them anyway. <laughs> ask them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I think that if you don't believe in gravity and you jump off the roof, you're still going to hit the ground. I just – Okay, look. Every, I, listen, I don't know. Ev- look, everybody has their own take on this whole subject of addiction I, and, and and recovery. You know, yeah. there's a there's a thousand uh, people give you advice, different advice, and you just have to find what works for you. Yeah, and, and keep in mind, God can be the great outdoors, good orderly direction. You know, it's some kind of power greater than yourself. Doesn't that's the people think like it's got to be like the religious God. It, you find your own. Yeah. Mark, thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you. Uh, I know somebody somewhere heard what you said, and, and it'll be helpful, helpful to them. Remember, if you were a loved one is struggling with addiction, help is available. Please call 1-800-66-HELP. That's 1-800-662-HELP. Thanks, Mark. 1-800-662-HELP. For Clean and Sober Radio, I'm Gary Hendler. I'm Mark Sigmund. Thank you for listening. To learn more about this broadcast, please join us on our mission at cleanandsoberbroadcasting.com. Everybody. I have to say thank you.
you on behalf of the group and ourselves, I hope we pass the audition. <laughs> Hi, I'm Marcus Scribner. The way we treat others